Blog Talk Radio. Christmas Eve Eve, as we're coming to you about 27 hours earlier than normal due to the holiday schedule. Welcome to another edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMA Sports Radio family. I'm your host, Kerry Clark from BAMAMag.com, joined as always by Drew Bjarmond and Thomas Watts of AlabamaIntel.com, and uh, we're going to have a couple of very, very special guests join us uh, on this Christmas Eve Eve show here in a few minutes. Uh, but first, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us, whether you're listening live or on the podcast. We're glad to have you. And Drew, how are you this Christmas Eve, Eve sir? Pretty good, Kerry. Just uh, you know, trying to multitask. Been talking to a lot of high school basketball coaches, getting uh, getting ready for the Hustle Times Classic the day after Christmas. But uh, a lot of them even want to talk Alabama football and recruiting. So it's always interesting, never boring, and. Uh, Obviously, uh, I'll hopefully get a chance to talk to Jack Doss later tonight after our show, but uh, he, he got to see one of our guys, uh, future Bama guys, up close and personal yesterday uh, or during the past weekend at the uh, Steel City Tournament, and uh, Dazon Ingram put on quite a show. I've heard that Dazon is quite the scorer and that maybe the only thing he needs to work on is his jump shot. I think everything else is already in place from what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's uh, what it looks like. He did make a couple of threes against J.O. Johnson, had 29 against them, and uh, I think he had 20 rebounds in a game yesterday, Kerry. And obviously he's also been able to distribute the basketball. His assist numbers were good throughout. And uh, first of all, I want to compliment uh, the uh, the Twitter feed of the Steel City Tournament. They did a great job keeping you updated if you weren't there. Uh, and even, you know, with with uh, the final stat, uh, the halftime stats and the final stat sheets, putting those on the uh, the the uh, social media network so uh, that was nice and uh, sounded like it was a really good tournament uh, won by Faith Academy uh, who came back in the last couple of minutes to nip Johnson in the championship game. Yep, we always like to keep our listeners updated on what's going on in Alabama high school sports or even Georgia high school sports, Mississippi high school sports because those young men are the SEC and Alabama players of tomorrow. So and certainly you know through a, a couple of other Alabama. Signees are doing pretty well. I've seen Brandon Austin had a game where he scored over 30. I've seen a couple of triple doubles by uh, the young man from Laverne. Going to blank here, but yeah, uh, uh, oh yeah, obviously uh, Dante, Dante Hall. Hall. Yes. And, but anyway, uh, things are looking well as far as basketball recruiting. But uh, Drew, we are now joined by our first guest of the evening on this BAM's Christmas TV show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him to our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, we're honored right now to be joined for the second time on BAMS Radio uh, by the father of uh, Blake Barnett, Lance Barnett, uh, two days before Christmas, a hectic time, but they've, they've taken a few minutes out of their, uh, their, uh, their time to join BAMS Radio. And Lance, welcome back on BAMS, man. Well, thank you very much. 
uh, just uh, really quickly, I know we haven't, you know, spoken with you uh, since uh, you and Blake were able to take in uh, two more visits, actually, and then and, and then a uh, and then his official visit for the Iron Bowl. But I guess just to kind of catch our audience up on, you know, what your experience was like uh, going down there. You guys seem to be the good luck charm. Uh, every time uh, you guys were coming on a visit, the team really performed at, at, at uh, A1 capacity. But kind of talk about your experiences uh, visiting the Capstone for a game. Oh, it's very exciting. Um, the fans are great. The uh, the energy level is, is you know, we, we were season ticket holders for five, seven years out here in San Diego for the San Diego Chargers. And, I'll tell you what, that, that Iron Bowl, uh, I've been to a couple of NFL playoff games, but that Iron Bowl experience was something that I've never experienced at a football game before in my life. It was, uh, it was really exciting. The crowd was fantastic. Um, the team played well. And, it, it's yeah, we can't be more excited. I'm looking forward to getting back to the games next year and, and uh, hopefully to continue another great season. Well, and I just want to really quickly now, I want to welcome – uh, your son, Blake Barnett, back in. This will be his third appearance on BAMS. And, uh, Blake, first of all, uh, Merry Christmas to you. But thank you for taking out a few minutes of your time. I know it's hectic for you. But thank you for coming back on BAMS, man. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. And I just wanted to kind of get your take on that. I know I talked to you and Lance and, and your mother, Gina, about the that the Iron Bowl was a different deal, that the intensity level is off the charts. And I was at the game – I was very fortunate to to have been hooked up through 97.7 The Zone Radio. Got to thank them. But uh, it was probably the loudest game I've been to, uh, other than LSU last year. But just I know as a you got a chance to be on the sideline, you got the the red carpet treatment. But just talk about your experience in the Iron Bowl and how it was for you. It was an awesome experience. Um, that was the first time I really got to go walk around the quad before a game too. So uh, I got to see the atmosphere. Uh, prior to the game, um, so it was really nice to see uh, the whole atmosphere uh, in the city, basically that was uh, that was going on before the game, and then obviously in the stadium, the um, the fans were going crazy, and it was it was a great atmosphere, um, and it's a it's a good one to play for. Um, obviously, the team played well, and I think uh, that probably had a lot to do with the, the energy level that the fans were bringing. Hey, Blake, this is Kerry. Thanks for coming on. Uh, quick question for you. You have uh, quickly become one of the best uh, recruiters in this recruiting class as far as uh, helping Alabama get in on and, and get commitments from excellent players. But there's still about five or six slots left in the class. Uh, Blake, why don't you tell our listeners on uh, just a little bit about who exactly you're working on and what you think Alabama's uh, chances are with these remaining few guys that you're working on? Uh, well, there's there's quite a few recruits that we're going after right now. A um, couple uh, receivers, and then obviously we want to get a good running back this year too. Um, we have our uh, hopes that I think everyone has uh, been talking about Damian Harris, and I talk to him almost every day. So uh, I've uh, I've built a pretty good friendship with him over the past couple of months, and uh, hopefully things go our way. But um, we're definitely going to be probably getting some big time recruits in here pretty soon. So uh, it's exciting to see the class we're building, and hopefully we'll have a uh, one of the best uh, ever this year, so we're really excited. Let's build in that way. Uh, do you have a gut feeling yet on Damien? It seems like it's down to Alabama and Kentucky. Um, we'll see. Uh, I don't want to make any predictions yet, but uh, 
I think um, it would be a, a great get for us. Um, he's obviously a tremendous player, and he'd be a, a good fit for our offense. Well, and and Blake, I wanted to talk to you because watching that game with what Blake went through in the Iron Bowl, I know you've had similar experiences where, you know, the game is basically on your shoulders and you have to bounce back, you know, from mistakes or, you know, uh, for an interceptions. And kind of talk about what how Blake kind of settled down at halftime because there was a lot of people worried about that. He came out in the third quarter, made another mistake, but then he just he, he has a remarkable ability to be able to calm himself down and then uh, and right the ship. And you've done the same thing throughout your career with so much being put on your shoulders again at a uh, you know at your high school at Santiago. So kind of talk about what you what your mindset was as you were watching the game and watching it unfold for Blake Sims. Absolutely. Well, it seemed like uh, in the first half and then even at the start of the, uh, the third quarter, um, there were some communication issues where they were having a hard time getting every, everyone on the same page. But um, I think Blake did a great job at, uh, at leading and getting everyone back together. And I think uh, when they started playing as a team again, everyone's on the same page. Um, they started executing, and that's when uh, when the game started to get out of hand, I guess you could say. And, and Lance, I, I just wanted to talk to you about it. Your overall, I mean, obviously you got a chance to see them play, arguably, really it was, the three biggest games of the year, uh, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Auburn. And uh, what what was your take on being able to see that in person? How, what was your take on how the team, you saw the team evolve and improve? Uh, obviously you got a chance to see, see it from a perspective a lot of people don't, but as a father, what what was your uh, impressions of every time you saw the program? I just think it really shows the continuity of the team and um, and really how the energy level can affect the team. Um, when you see the when you see the teammates standing on the sidelines, jumping up and down, you can see that resonate into the team that's on the field and and the energy level and and just how how plays just start to to evolve and and uh, you know it's interesting to watch that perspective from the sidelines and, and see just really what the emotions in, in this game can do for the team. And it's exciting to see that. It really is. And I was speaking in regards to the Iron Bowl, to see Blake handle that adversity and come back in the second half. Is, it's just that's what great quarterbacks do, right? You've got to be able to – sometimes things don't go your way, but you've got to be able to, to, to not let that get to you and just, you know, bounce back whether that's in the second half or the next quarter, and, and not be afraid to throw that ball into a tight window just because you've had some adversity in the first half. And, and I was, you know, extremely excited and happy for Blake to to overcome that adversity and, and just dominate the second half like he did. Lance, this is Kerry again. i got to ask you, since you were such a great luck charm for the program this year, any chance we might run into you guys in New Orleans? Uh, I won't be in New Orleans, but I, I did confirm today that um, if uh, we, I should say when Alabama wins um, in New Orleans, I will be at the national championship game. Well, that's good. I like the conference. I like the conference. Um, Drew, go ahead. Yeah, and Blake, I wanted to ask you too. Uh, obviously, we have we haven't uh, since the last time we spoke with you on our show. Uh, we you, you're in the middle of your season. But uh, just kind of, I guess, for our audience, obviously you guys wanted to advance. You wanted to, you know, make a run at the state championship. But just kind of surmised uh, you guys the Santiago season. I know you guys played in a tough area. 
Uh, you were able to make the playoff. Uh, you know, did not uh, advance past the opening round. But just kind of talk about how your season went overall. It was a pretty good season for us this year. Um, we had a somewhat of a, a young offense, um, a receiving core. It was a every single receiver was a first year starter, so um, we kind of had to get used to things as we went along. But um, we started off kind of slow, picked things up towards the end, and then uh, unfortunately, towards the uh, the last game of the year, we played a uh, number eight team in the nation, uh, Jay Sarah, um, <laughs> right. which is a private school, um, and. Uh, and private schools are somewhat running California right now in high school football, so it, it's, it's really hard to compete with them. But uh, we go out and we give our best, obviously. Um, we fell short, but I think uh, we did have a pretty productive season. Yeah, and just talk about your career as a whole. I mean, you set a lot of school records. I think you're the only the, the second Santiago uh, young, uh, player to ever get named to the Under Armour game, so that had to be a big honor for you. And, uh, and just kind of talk about, you know, your, what, how your career developed, and really, to be honest, the last two years is when you came on the scene, and you, your two varsity years in Santiago. But just talk about your overall experience in Coach Steinberg's program. It was a great, a great, um, a great time. Obviously, I got to learn a lot throughout the years. Um, my uh, improvements from sophomore to junior year were really dramatic, and I think that's what um, started my recruitment process. Um, if uh, you would have seen where I started as a freshman and seen me now, you'd think I was two completely different people. Um, it, it was a, a lot of learning that went on through it. Um, it was a great time as well. I got to meet a lot of good people. And, uh, yeah, the records kind of came with the teamwork and uh, everything that went went on um, as a team and the offense with the coaching and everything. So I'm really thankful for everything that I learned from there. And, uh how they helped me become a man, I guess you can say, and uh, a better football player. Well, like I wanted to ask you, uh, it, it's, it's such an advantage for a player these days to uh, enroll in January and go through spring practice with their team of choice. Uh, it does require giving up the last half of your senior year of high school, which is a tremendous sacrifice. But in the end, many, many of the kids that do it seem to, to feel like it was worth it. Talk about how you came to the decision to enroll in January and, and what advantages you feel like it will give you as a quarterback. Yeah, well, definitely for a quarterback, it's it's, it's almost a, a no-brainer nowadays. Uh, the competition level is getting so high that you, you want to do your best to give yourself the opportunity to play as fast as possible. So uh, graduating early really does give you a big advantage. Um, you get to know the offense better. You get to a jump a jump start on school get more familiar with the coaches, your team, the area. It's 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 a, a huge advantage. Obviously, there is sacrifice that comes along with it. Um, you have to leave your friends and your school early. But um, it's uh, I, I do think that it will be worth it. Um, so uh, I'm really excited for it. Will you at least be able to get back and go to the prom? What was that? Will you at least be able to get back and go to prom? Or is that out the window now? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'll, I'll, I'll probably find out um, pretty soon, so we'll see. Well, yeah, Blake. I, I've also got to ask. I mean, what have you? What has been your focus uh, as a player now that the season's been over for a few weeks? Have you been working with Dennis Guile, and what is what is uh, what is what what parts of your game have you been working on to try to get better before the uh, Under Armour experience? Definitely. Um, I went out to Arizona this this last weekend actually and got some work in out there. Um, there's a couple other quarterbacks that came out and worked out too. Um, Kyle Allen who plays at Texas A&M. Um, Luke Rubenzer is at Cal, and uh, 
DeAndre Francois, who's um, going to Florida State, actually. Um, so there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there. We all got to compete and work out um, and better ourselves. But um, when I wasn't out there, I've been working out three times a week at, at home and uh, throwing four times a week. So uh, really trying to better myself and uh, get the last work I can in before the Under Armour game and then, uh, and then heading to school. Well, so I guess for the listeners, what it, what is your height and weight right now? Right now, I'm six five two. Or I'm sorry, one ninety eight. Just about almost two hundred pounds. Almost two hundred pounds. Well, and obviously, this is the last time you were in a setting similar to Under Armour would be the opening. And you're and you're. I got to give Lance a lot of credit. He told me beforehand. He called his shot. He said you would step up on and and perform unbelievably well because you always seem to in those environments. Uh, what is your expectations and uh, for the Under Armour game? It's got to be something you've been kind of dreaming about, but being around all these great players, but what is your expectations going to St. Petersburg? Uh, it's going to be a great time. Obviously, I get to uh, play with a lot of future athletes that are going to be uh, pretty dominant in college football and uh, possibly the NFL, but I also get to spend a lot of time with um, future Alabama teammates. I believe there's I think over ten of us that are going to be playing in it. So yes, uh, there is. Get to get to get good bonding time with them and uh, play a little football while we're at it too. So it's going to be a, a fun learning experience, um, and I'm looking forward to it. Lance, I wanted to ask you. We touched on this briefly uh, the other time you were on the show, but kind of give us a little more detail about uh, the way that you started Blake out uh, with motorcycle racing and how that evolved into football. Uh, well, my dad did that when I was, uh, or when he was younger, I guess you can say. But um, when I when I was young, I believe five or six is is when I first got into riding and racing. Um, obviously, it was because of my dad, but uh, it was something I really liked to do. And then uh, at about ten, that's when I when I stopped riding um, for safety issues. Obviously, um, it's not really a a safe sport by any means, but. Um, Got into football at about eight, so uh, it was it was a quick, but it was it was a fun uh, fun experience. And then the past couple of years, I, I had a motorcycle, but um, we would go to the desert every once in a while. But it was nothing competitive; it was just for fun. Always trying to stay a little safe because uh, obviously recruiting came up, and I'm trying to play college football, and uh, motorcycles aren't really going to keep me uh, safe from it. So uh, had to cut that out. And Lance, how do you remember that transition and how it came about? Yeah, just like like Blake said, you know, you, it was something that I grew up doing m- most of my life. Um, so naturally, I started him in that and started him at a young age, and um, he was he was doing uh, very well actually at it. But um, I, I I saw that he was very athletic, um, and I and I really was focused on him going to college. Um, when you race motorcycles, it, you tend to you try and get out of school early so uh, you can obviously dedicate your time and energy into practicing and training and racing. But So I didn't really think that was a good path for him, and I had to make the difficult decision. I, I don't think Blake was real happy with me when I made it, but um, I think looking back on it right now, uh, you can say it was obviously a, a very good decision. But um, we tried to, you know, the last couple of years let him, you know, have some free time when he when he wasn't training um usually in the during the holiday season go out with friends and family and let him you know get back on the motorcycle and have some fun but uh 
you know, the fans and Coach Saban will be pleased to know that we I sold his motorcycle about two to three weeks ago. So <laughs> hopefully, I'm sure uh, was pretty thrilled about that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's, yeah, yeah, it was, it it was last... a good experience. It was a good experience for him. It probably gave him some competitive edge too, um, because it's a sport where either you win or you lose. You don't you don't have teammates to you know to rally around. So um, I think it's helpful. In, in learning that competitive nature at a young age, so. And I wanted to ask you too, Lance, because you got a chance to experience this on the official visit. But and so many of us don't. We've had you know some interaction with Coach Saban, but not you know away from football. But I've always heard he's a different person away from the football field. But what was your your take on being able to in a social setting be around Coach Nick Saban? He's an amazing man. Um, I think Alabama fans uh, uh, should be proud of their coach and their coaching staff. The whole staff uh, that he has assembled are are just great people. Um, they they're obviously very good at what they do, but they're also very good at developing the kids, not only from a football perspective, but you know, developing young men to be successful in, in all aspects of their life, um, on and off the field. Um, so. Like I said, the fans should be very proud. He's, in my opinion, he's the right coach for Blake um, to not only get the get the most out of him as a football player, but also help him accomplish his goals and dreams um, on and off the field. So I couldn't be more pleased that um, Blake is going to the University of Alabama, and, and I'll be honest that Coach Saban had a a big part in that decision. Well, and I wanted to ask Blake too. Blake, you got a chance over many, you know, several visits uh, over during a season to kind of, you know, build your relationship with the Alabama coaching staff, especially uh, with Lane Kiffin, who's done such an amazing job developing Blake Sims and and, uh, and really putting together one of the most, if not the, really the most explosive offense at Alabama that I've seen. You know, t- tell the audience kind of how your relationship has grown with Coach Kiffin and what has changed, if anything, through the, the visits and the, and the recruiting process. Definitely, my relationship with Coach gets uh, gets stronger and stronger every time I get out there. Um, normally, when I go, when I go, uh, I get to spend Sundays with him and break down film from uh, from the game the day before. But um, I spend a lot of time with him uh, when I go up there, and I stay in contact with him even uh, even now, probably two or three times a week. We uh, we get to talk, so uh, it's always nice to to get um, a relationship built with a coach before you're there. So. Um, I'm looking forward to grow, and uh, hopefully he can stay for uh, a couple more years because I think he's doing great things for the program. Well, absolutely, and and obviously you uh, you're really looking forward to the Under Armour experience. But uh, is there anybody? Obviously, you're, you're wanting to reconnect with Calvin Ridley. You guys had such great chemistry uh, in Oregon. But is there anyone else that you're looking forward to, you know, playing with or you know just uh, bonding with uh, as far as in that experience? Uh, all the commits, really. Um, I'm looking forward to playing with them and, and get to know them better and play football with them. Actually, you know, we normally just get to get to contact with them, and then we get little things like the in Oregon and the rivals camp and such. But uh, don't really get much opportunity so far to actually play with them. So that's really exciting to to get on the field and see what we can do together, um, and obviously see how things are going to be in the future. Well, I, I know he was with you in Oregon. Is uh, is Dennis Gall? Is he going to be down there with you in uh, at, at, in St. Petersburg? 
No, he won't be uh, down there. He has okay. a couple quarterbacks he's training, so he's uh, going to be watching uh, a couple different all-star games. Absolutely. Well, and I, I and, and I guess one of the last things I wanted to ask because uh, you know, the, uh, watching the behind the scenes, I've still got it on my on my uh, TiVo, and it's, I've watched it several times. But you know, Trent Dilfer, I've, we talked about him. He's such a special guy. Have you continued to be in communication with him, and what advice has he given you as far as in the next step in your career? Yeah, definitely. We talk every once in a while. It's kind of hard to get a hold of each other, especially with him being on the NFL uh, network with ESPN and everything. So he's a he's a pretty busy guy. But um, we we talk every once in a while, and he's a really smart guy, a smart football coach, um, and he's a really genuine person too. He's a very upfront and honest about everything. So uh, he he's given all the quarterbacks that, that came through Elite Eleven uh, some good advice and tips about how to uh, to grow as a man and grow as a football player. And uh, there's some tips that it's going to help me out really, uh, really uh, a, a tremendous amount, I guess you could say, going into the future um, of my college career and then hopefully one day an NFL career. And, and uh, to stay a great man is what he really, really enforced on us. And um, that's what uh, I look forward to applying most of my future. Well, and, and last, last question for Lance. Lance, I mean, obviously – this is kind of bittersweet. He's leaving home, but you've been looking forward to this next chapter in his career. Uh, what is the thing, I guess, you're looking most forward to in the next, you know, uh, few months when uh, the, the the clock starts and spring practice gets underway? Um, yeah, it's it is bittersweet. Uh, you know, Blake will be off uh, leaving Saturday, and um, but we're excited just to see the the next step in his career. Um, and see what he can do at the University of Alabama. And, you know, we're hopeful that um, the tradition will continue and, and hopefully he can win a couple of national championships um, after they win one this year. So it's going to be exciting to see him playing at that next level and playing with, you know, elite talent and elite coaches. And, um, you know, the fans have been tremendous. So we're, we're excited, uh, you know, a little, little disappointed that he's going to be moving away, but it's just what happens in life and, and, you know, we, we expect great things of him. Well, and Blake, last for you. I mean, you've obviously, in your mind, you've played this, these scenarios out since you uh, made your decision to come to Alabama and you were going to enroll early. Uh, what are your expectations for the next few months as far as once you finally, you know, actually are in the uh, fourth quarter program and, and enrolled at Alabama both as a student as an, and, and as an athlete? Uh, to make the transition as best as possible. Um, obviously, it's going to be difficult at first because um, changing into such dramatic uh, uh, ways, I guess you could say, leaving school early and uh, starting school early there, it's going to be a, a quick transition that I have to, have to get used to really quick. Um, but uh, hopefully in the next couple of months I can compete for a spot. That's really what I'm looking for. Um and uh, bettering myself as a player. Um, I really want to see the development I can have uh, once I start college and uh, see how much I can learn right away and apply it to the field. Yeah, and I, I, and I just – and then the last thing, have, what have the coaches told you? Are they, are they, do they want you? Are they, are they telling you to come in and compete for the job? Because obviously it's going to be uh, wide open with Blake Sims gone. Coker's played some, but much like last year – there's not really uh, – Coker was the favorite, but he didn't win the job. So what are they telling you as far as what they expect out of you? Um, well, they really want me to come in and give my best. You never really know until one season starts. So uh, 
through the off season, I want to hopefully compete for a spot, and that's what they're uh, they're saying I can hopefully do. Um, Competition is going to be anywhere in uh, in life, really, and especially with football. So uh, uh, I I'm I'm embracing it, um, and I'm really excited for it too. Uh, it's going to be a, probably a difficult next couple of months, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, I just want to thank you, first of all, you and uh, Lance, for coming on again with us. It's been an honor to get to know you both uh, throughout this process. I know you're very you're very soon, just a few weeks, you're going to be an official member of the of the team. We cannot wait to see you uh, in the spring and in A-Day and then watch your career unfold. And uh, I, I hope to be able to, to hook up with your dad again, Lance. I hope to see you down the road. And first of all, we just want to wish you both a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and thank you for coming on BAMS again. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Happy holidays to everyone. Um, and, yeah, we'll catch you down the road, Drew. Yes, sir. Roll Tide. Thank you all. Thanks, Roll Lance. Roll Thanks, Blake. And Merry Christmas to both of you guys. Look forward to having you. Already glad to have you in the Alabama family. Uh, Merry Christmas and Roll Tide. So that was Lance Barnett and his son, Blake, Alabama's five-star quarterback signing, who will be coming in to complete the job in January, and I think we have gotten a lot of mileage out of that family, and every time we talk to him, it seems to get better. Uh, I really liked what he had to say about Damian Harris, too. Yeah, I really did. He's worked Harris hard behind the scenes. He will see he will be, you know, a teammate with Harris uh, in the Under Armour game. Uh, I think Damian is the top guy uh, for Alabama on their board right now. Johnny Frazier, a close second. Uh, I think it's going to come down to you know, Frazier's, if Frazier officially visits, it will only be because Damian Harris is not choosing the University of Alabama. Uh, as John Garcia, a good friend of this show, has said, he does not think this recruitment is like Matt Elam's. So we will see. He's uh, coming off his visit to Kentucky, but luckily is not making the visit or the, the decision, excuse me, Kerry, right away. Uh, obviously, there will still be some in-state pressure, but it's not going to hurt that he's going to spend another week with Blake Barnett and ten or and more than ten of what could be his closest friends in the future. Oh, no doubt. Um, and I thought that uh, it was very interesting to hear uh, Lance give his take on the atmosphere behind Bo. You know, when you're from California, you, you right. don't really think of stuff like that. And, and uh, it, it was a great atmosphere. It was loud, and it gave Blake and Lance both a taste of what to expect at Bryant Diddy and in you know, Jordan Hare or wherever the Ambo can be played. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. Oh, I really did. And uh, and I think, to be honest, I just can't wait to see Blake compete. Uh, ideally, Jake Coker, who's the leader in the clubhouse right now, uh, would be the starter in allowing Blake to redshirt, get stronger, and learn the offense and, and, and master the system. It's always very tough as a true freshman to be a starter. But in this climate of college football, you never know. And uh, you're, you're just one play away as far as injury. I think Alabama's been very fortunate to keep Blake Sims healthy. And uh, Jake Coker has gotten better. I think we saw him play better as the season went on. He looked better against Western Carolina. But after the work that Blake Sims did himself and then Lane Kiffin did with Blake over a six-month period of time, I think everybody's anxious to see what he could do with Jake Coker with someone with that arm strength and that size and that skill set. i got to tell you, Drew and Thomas both, uh, my dog Julio has taken more interest in BAMS tonight than ever before. Uh, <laughs> his, his mommy is not home yet from work, and it's raining outside. He's thundering a little bit. He don't like that. <laughs> he, he just keeps tormenting me until I put him in my lap. So he's, uh, he's he's the fourth member of the team tonight, Julio Lamar Clark, named after Julio Jones. He, I might add torch to the Saints. I love it. Sunday Drew, how about you? 
Yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching OC score on the last play. Uh, that was hilarious. Wave them goodbye. Wave goodbye to your playoff hopes, Saints. Bags but, uh, out on Porters. Bags but, out. Also, but, uh, the Dolphin, if you want to ride down there. Well, I just I was glad to see the the Falcon defense step it up and play much better. Uh, you know, Cupcake played well. Uh, you know, they they ended up you know they he did a good job. He's a rookie defensive tackle. He seems to be coming into his own. Uh, you know, and then I thought the secondary played better than it had been playing. Uh, they didn't really run the ball great, but you know, Julio. Julio made Julio's just he's just a goat. I mean he 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 like I I tweeted out what John Lynch said. He said you know he's hurt. He's playing as many plays as he can play. He's a big time football player, and that's what Julio is. I, I the, my favorite play of the game was when he when he uh, was able to uh, when he, when he was able to throw the key block to to uh, to to get him out to midfield on the wide receiver screen. I mean he just did, he did a great job. He's always he's always been a willing blocker. He's always been a guy that plays hard every snap. You don't have to worry about it. You know, they talked about Patrick Peterson and he going head to head in college. Well, uh they did so. Julio won most of those battles and a couple of weeks ago Julio torched him in the NFL. And uh, I, I, I do believe, I've said it on record, that nine's the best I've ever seen at Alabama, but eight's always going to hold a special place in my heart. And uh, he's having a great pro career thus far and just hope it continues. And now now they've knocked out the Saints. Now they need to knock out uh, the Carolina Panthers this week in the Dome and uh, then go into the playoffs. And then it, I know the record's not great, but it's a division championship. And once you get in the tournament, who cares? You're just trying to survive week to week. And you get a home, you get a home playoff game. So let's yeah. turn back to uh, let's turn back to college, uh, specifically right. University of Alabama, and specifically the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. I want to bring in our producer Thomas Watts now, uh, who I know by now has had time to look at at least some tape of Ohio State. So uh, Thomas, all these Alabama fans that feel like the uh, game could be Notre Dame 2.0, uh, what, what's your theory on that? Well, it's. An interest. I think it's. I think there's some merit to it, to be honest. But hold on. I think my mother has just burned something, so I'm gonna have to I'll have to rain check this. I have to kick it back to you. <laughs> All right, kick it back while we uh, go take care of a potential. Sorry, guys. Oh, uh, good. House man. fire mobile there. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, well, hold on. Hey, we, hey, roll time. We can't out. We can't out. House fire. We're already now, Mrs. Mom. Come on now. Hey, hey now, Rolando McClain yesterday, thank the Lord nobody oh, was hurt. Yeah. But, yeah, he lost yeah, the house. I, know, I, hate that. I was thing. watching that on TV, and they're like, I mean, I'm $1.5 million on the market, and the poor guy's in Dallas. Nobody's there. I know a couple of his buddies used to live there, Marcus May and a couple of people, but nobody's living there now. And um, I, I, you wonder how that kind of thing starts, and it's really bad timing because it's raining like hell now. It probably wouldn't even start tonight. But yeah, it, I mean, it was a perfect storm last night. I tell you what, I don't know about Huntsville Mobile, but it is terrible weather in Hoover, Alabama right now. Oh, it's been terrible in Huntsville all day today. It's done nothing but rain. Uh, been inside all day, so yeah, it's uh, it's been a very dreary day. But well, to, to, we could just also until Thomas gets back here, we could really quickly just kind of update the listeners. I'm sure they've some of them have uh, been following it, but we uh, we both got to see Alabama basketball not have their best effort of the year. Uh, and coming back to beat Appalachian State late. But I think the best part about that win, and then even the loss to Wichita State was, you see the potential this team has. And I was really, really happy for the young guys 
especially a guy like Riley Norris, who to me uh, was the key to the game as far as the hero, the unsung hero of the game. And I've been really excited about how he he and Contez uh, asserted himself. Now, Justin Coleman probably hit the freshman wall a little bit against Appalachian, but he's shown flashes as well. The, uh, the more I see of this team, Kerry, I like this team. Uh, I just really think they just got to, you know, fix a couple of, t- of areas. They got to take a little bit better care of the basketball. And sometimes I think they get away from attacking the rim. But I still like the potential of this team, and I like their chances this Sunday against UCLA. Yep, uh, this is not one of UCLA's better teams. Uh, they trailed 41 to seven at the half against right. Kentucky in the tournament. In Chicago they ended up losing the game by I think 39 points. Was yeah. uh, wasn't this is not a great UCLA team, but it's kind of like you know when Mike Shield was coaching Alabama, people people didn't care if they right. beat Alabama in football, it, it was beating Alabama. Alabama in football. So here's yeah. the one, that's how I'm looking at the UCLA basketball game. A, they got to win it, but B, it's still UCLA. Even like when you beat Notre Dame in one of their crappy six and five years or whatever, it's still Notre Dame in football. So, yeah. you know, even when you beat Kentucky when they were on probation in the basketball late 80s, still Kentucky. So, got to win that game and then got to turn around and beat North Florida uh, uh, on January 2nd. So, it looks like I'll be covering an Alabama basketball game on the way to New Orleans and another on the way home from New Orleans. So, that should be cool. We'll have a fun week with my roommate Thomas Watts, a sandwich in between, and I think Bird's going to conduct a a dinner meeting on New Year's Eve and maybe join us on the show that night. So, uh, yeah, so uh, that that should be fun. And Thomas is now back with us, uh, having avoided the crisis of burning Santa Claus's cookies. He can now discuss how Nick Saban can burn Urban Meyer's cookies. Go, Thomas. There you go. (laughs) Now, now you did say there's a lot of you know equivocating Ohio State with Notre Dame and. I think there's something to that. You look at the Ohio State defense, and it's it's been a mixed bag. You have Joey Bosa, who, believe me, if you are a fan and you were going to watch the run-up to this game, you'll hear that name so many times it'll make your eyes bleed. Right. Joey Bosa is a fabulous defensive end for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I read something earlier this week where NFL scouts were even judging offensive tackles that have played against Bosa by how well they did against him. They think he's that good. Yeah. There's also Michael Bennett, the defensive tackle. Those are the two mm-hmm. big names you're going to hear a lot of. So the Ohio State defensive line is stout. But I also balance that on the fact, who's going to be blocking Bosa? Probably going to be a lot of Cam Robinson. How many times have you seen Cam Robinson legitimately beaten this year? Well, I, I, he, Almost none. Exactly. I... I think Joey Bosa might be better just barely than anybody that Cam Robinson has played. But at the same time, Robinson's going to be as healthy as he's been since he really got into the SEC meat grinder with the Dante Fowlers and the, the, the Daniil Hunters and the Jamare Rascos of the world. So I, I don't see it as Bosa being able to just take over a game. Uh, a guy, again, if you're a, if you're a recruiting fan, you'll remember Von Bell. Yes. Solid, solid player for the Buckeyes. But, again, if you look at this defense, it's like they've got a few big names and they've got talent, but they haven't consistently delivered. Don't get hung up on the fact that Ohio State shut Wisconsin out. That game was just – it was weird. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it live. I watched it later. And Ohio State jumped, to their credit now, jumped all over, all over. Wisconsin early, and Wisconsin just frankly quit 
If you ask me, they yeah. quit. So aside from the 59-0 whooping that they put on Wisconsin, the previous four games, they gave up 28 points to a bad Michigan team. They were in a dogfight against a bad Indiana team and gave up 27 points. They gave up 24 to a good Minnesota team, and they gave up 37 to a pretender Michigan State team that, while they are ranked pretty highly, should not be there. They haven't Michigan State hasn't beaten a top 15 program all year. So it's not like this defense has been just crushing, consistently crushing throughout the season. I'm really not that worried about it. I want to see how Ohio State tries to defend Amari Cooper. Right. I think it's going to be a lot like, you know, what was the NFL game I was watching? Oh, it, was, it was the Cowboys-Colts game where the Colts tried to go man-on-man against Des Bryant. Des Bryant had two touchdowns, and then the Colts decided to roll two guys over top of him. I could see something like that happening to Ohio State. But offensively, I just don't know how Alabama's going to get stopped. I, I believe the, com- the consensus is, and I actually agree with it, Ohio State will hang for a little while, but then T.J. Yeldon and Derrick Henry are just going to bludgeon the Buckeyes into submission. On the defensive side for Alabama, I really can't get past the fact that Cardell Jones is a third-string quarterback. The young man deserves all the credit in the world for going out in his first start and beating Wisconsin, and he beat him good. But Wisconsin's defense is not Alabama's defense, and I think where you're really going to see the difference, the ability for Alabama to disguise coverages. Right. Can Jones realize that Landon Collins is going to not only can, but will bail from eight yards off the line of scrimmage into a perfect position for a cover two? Because that's not something you see very often. Not a lot of football players, even in the NFL, can do that. But Collins can if necessary. So can Cardell Jones mentally process what the Alabama defense is trying to do to him and then make the correct read. The the short of it is I doubt it. I just do. I'm sorry. And I think that's going to be the problem. You know, once your quarterback gets on his heels, are you going to try and run on Alabama? Let's, let's review who's run on Alabama. Nobody. Oh, oh wait, Auburn. Auburn has run somewhat on Alabama. The second half, they did nothing running, 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 running the ball. Excuse me. My tongue. So if, if Ohio State has to beat Alabama with, the, with just running the ball, Alabama's going to win by 40. As is, I think Alabama's going to come out and you know, probably be a 21-13 game at halftime. Alabama will be just a little up. And then they're going to do what they've done all year and just start pounding, keep pounding. You know, it's, it's, if you notice what Alabama's done throughout the year, it's not been that they've come out like gangbusters and just blown teams off the field in the first half, assuming you know it's, it's decently equal competition. It's been Alabama plays at level X, and they don't ever stop playing at level X. They might go up to Y, but they don't really go down any. They kind of, they, you kind of get the same thing with this Alabama team. So can Ohio State sustain that? They've got the talent, but they haven't really been in – this kind of a dogfight before. A lot of their stuff has been high-scoring, crazy affairs. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Alabama is going to do what they've done multiple times. They're going to lean on them. They're going to lean on them. We're going to have – you'll hear the term body blows enough that you're going to want to shoot yourself. <laughs> but 
you know, Alabama's going to keep hitting body blows, and then suddenly when Derrick Henry's, you know, he's 10 carries in, he's warmed up, and he's churning down at, at somebody at full full speed in the fourth quarter, what the hell are you going to do? You have to pray you can tackle him, but if you look at the past two games, in the fourth quarter it's been the Henry show. So Exactly. I, I you're, think saying, that, you're saying boxing 101, when the hands come down, you just break the face. Exactly. Absolutely. So I think it, I think Alabama's going to win pretty comfortably. You know, a, I could see a 41-21 type game. I, I just – if JT Barrett wasn't hurt, I think it could turn into a shootout. But he's hurt, and Jones, he admits himself he is not JT Barrett. And it's it's unfair to compare the two. Cardell Jones will have had, what, 22 maximum practices with the first team getting first team reps. Well – let, let's let's draw an interesting parallel here. Jake Coker had about that many reps with the first team starters before he made his debut the second week for Alabama. And would anybody say that Jake Coker looked great? No, no, no you wouldn't. Now I think he will get a few more reps than Coker got leading up to that point, but it's a fair comparison. It's just give the guy a chance to develop. He's got all the physical tools. He's something like six five two thirty five. He's a monster. But, Thomas, I'll tell you who he is to me. He's a very inexperienced Dak Prescott. I could, I could see that. I was gonna, I was thinking maybe Cam Newton, just in terms of pure size. But Dak's a yeah. good comparison too. And it's just, again, can he process what the Alabama defense is going to throw at him? Not a lot of senior quarterbacks can do that. So I don't put a lot of faith in Jones's ability. I just, it. it it's a bad matchup for Ohio State, if you ask me. I, you know, they'll make some plays. They have enough talent, particularly with Bosa and Bennett on the defensive line, where it's not going to be Alabama lines up from the from the gun and just steps on their throat and rolls up 800 yards. No, there's going to be some battling there. But you know, when you, you it's it's not it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And the Alabama Crimson Tide have proven this year they know how to finish games. So, I've got Alabama 41-21 taking it and rolling on into Arlington. I like it. And I wanted to ask you another question, Thomas, uh, simply because I haven't heard a lot of discussion about it just yet, but I know you'll have an answer. How does the Ohio State secondary match up versus Amari Cooper? I think that's the, like, that's the great mystery. Uh, they do a lot of, I believe I read quarters coverage, which is you separate the field into quarters and you put a guy basically in that lane. But I, I don't think that Ohio State has that guy. They don't have a shut, a true shutdown corner. Bell's solid, but yeah. it's not. It's not. It's going to be something where you probably have to hope you can confuse him and mess with him at the line of scrimmage. I think that's the only way. Just just as a blanket statement, Kerry, the only way I think you can truly affect Amari Cooper is if you screw up the timing at the beginning of the play. If you give him a free release, you're done. You're done. You have you have utterly failed to defend this player nine times out of ten. And just just to clarify what I mean, you can get your hands on a receiver a little bit. You can, you can you not rough them up, knock them down, but mess up how they want it. Don't give them a free release. You want to see what happens when Amari Cooper gets a free release? Watch Auburn. Watch Florida. Watch. I mean, all of his long touchdown plays were. I'm going to play Amari Cooper eight yards off the line of scrimmage, and he's going to he's going to he's going to fake step outside, run inside, and suddenly he's so fast he's ten yards beyond defense, and 
you or me could throw that pass. I think I think they're just they're going to have to mess with him at the line of scrimmage somehow. But at the same time, Amari Cooper's like LeBron James; he gonna get his. You just have to hope his is not enough to kill you. Well, I guess my follow-up question would be: Let's say that they are quote unquote smart enough to cheat a safety over to help with Amari. Are they in turn not begging Alabama to run to the other side of the field? Yeah, I think a run pass option play that is that is a good strategy. There's also just a simple if if Kiffin if Lane Kiffin sees that, split Amari out wide left, run a screen to the right. That's a lot that's what of I mean, or, or, or a toss sweep. Yeah, oh anything like that. Yeah, that that's that's one way to get it because you are taking a guy out of the play. But it, it depends on where the how deep the safety is. If Amari Cooper starts getting a bunch of slants, you'll cheat the safeties up, and then someone can burn Ohio State deep. It's that that is one strategy. There are a bunch of different ways to exploit it, obviously, and even something as simple as leaking the tight end out on a like not a toss sweep, but like something you know a five yard down and out with OJ Howard. That would that would do great things because there's no one on Ohio State's defense that can really defend a six six guy with his size and his skill set. He's just got to get in position to make the play. And also it could open up things for DeAndre White or even the reemerging Christian Jones. There's, there's, there's not a shortage of weapons on this Alabama offense. Oh, absolutely. And that's – you you have to really uh, – I have I have sung Kiffin's praises on multiple occasions, and I'm going to sing them again. And sure, again, our listeners' eyes are going to glaze over. <laughs> he has done a great job not only featuring Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper is a fabulous wide receiver – but getting everybody in a position to make plays. Alabama's offense is good. There's no doubt about it. The skill that makes up Alabama's offense is superb. But it's kind of like building a house. If you don't put the right stuff in the right places, you're going to have a really, really badly constructed house. Kiffin's built a mansion, and it's perfect. He, He puts people in positions. He's able to adjust. That's the big thing. If you want to compare Doug Nussmeyer to Lane Kiffin, Kiffin has been able to adjust on the fly in numerous situations where he's just like, do this, this will work. And people give Lane Kiffin crap because he does his touchdown celebration before the ball's even in the air. That's because he can see the play before it happens, and he's that good. So I, I'm a big Kiffin fan. I know I said, and all of us said, we had some – real questions going into this season, but I think they've all been answered, and it's just been the whole, the offense as a whole is just a finely tuned athletic machine if you're a Waterboy fan. <laughs> yeah, it's well well put, Thomas, and you know, I agree. I think you know, Urban Meyer's not going to be able to reinvent the wheel, uh, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think Alabama's seen what he can do and seen his offenses, and they'll they, they'll they can change some of their tendencies. But I think Alabama still the first thing they've got to do is take Ezekiel Elliott out of the game, and I think that's what they're going to try to do uh, with the defensive line, Jaron Reed, you know, Ashawn Robinson, and both of them I think have been playing their best football. Uh, I I think you know that's going to be the key. You got to take it away from him, put them in long yarded situations, and make Cardell Jones beat you from the pocket. He doesn't really scare me mobility-wise, Thomas. He's so big and lumbering. They're going to have to, you know, get him on the ground. But he's not a dynamic runner, so that part of it doesn't worry me as much. I just want Alabama to be solid. Not, the one thing that I only worry about is giving up the big play, uh, which Alabama has given up as far as the, the deep ball. 
they're going to have to play that better. But I, I, I'll, I'm like you. I think it's a good matchup. Mine's a little bit my, – my score's a little different. I've got 34-21. But I just think Alabama's the better football team. And I'm sorry. I do think Ohio State's very talented. But I, the bottom line is they haven't played the competition in Alabama. And I think that that will – Bear that that will that will bear fruit as the game goes on. No, I, I would I would agree. It's all wrong on the record. I guess I'll say thirty-eight to twenty, Bama. Thirty-eight to twenty. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I think that's that's a lot of it. You know, Ohio State is a good, talented football team, but there's kind of, there, there's a hurricane coming, or there, there's a there's a there's a title shift coming in uh in a few in a week and a week and a half or so and brother there's a crimson monsoon coming that that a better metaphor than mine so i just i can't i can't shake the feeling that ohio state's just a little overmatched and they're mm-hmm. going to come in a little overhyped and then you're going to get a week of whoever wins the rose bowl which i still think will be oregon even though there is some wow okay well, we can get into that later. I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump into that right this second. I, I, I have Oregon winning that game. I think that. I think even though the defense is bad, if you give me a shootout, I'm going to take Oregon to win a shootout every single time. Well, I can't wait to see you and Murph go back and forth next week. That should be fun. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> we might be doing the. Uh, we might be doing the show come the next quarter. That's and nice. Yeah, that shakes out with Bird. Uh, Bird's going to have a little New Year's Eve dinner for the bands fans and tailgaters of any orleans so, uh, i appreciate that i wish i could be there i'll tell him a uh, hello and everything and those of us will be there oh yes yeah so uh i hope that uh i hope the french quarter is ready because there's gonna be some seafood and some gumbo slurped up that night oh boy gumbo my favorite man yeah and uh, i'm told that i need to try the uh Turtle soup as well. I, oh. I guess I guess I haven't had turtle soup if I do. I don't remember it. Too I've seen it on Diners Drive-In Dives, man. I watched that. Yeah. I, well, you need to. I, I've seen it mentioned, you know, from various times, but the place that we're going uh, doesn't take reservations. So, oh wow. Fortunately, fortunately Mrs. Bird and, and Bird have volunteered to uh, go ahead and grab a table while Thomas and I finish up our media responsibilities. Uh, Wow, the music is starting to sit still. I thought we were going to talk a little more. <laughs> we can just let you Does that mean we're getting out of here? <laughs> we ain't got to recruiting yet. Oh. <laughs> I had I had five <laughs> soup, soup and I was like, recruiting okay. questions. You asked Drew before we shut it down. <laughs> so if we, could, if we could get to those, then we'll go 6 o'clock and crank the music. Uh, okay. uh, uh, yeah. Can we have five and a half more minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Off the music for you guys. You doctor producer. Okay, well Drew, uh, you know, on a serious note, uh recruiting seems to have slowed a little bit. But yeah. I think Alabama fans are uh kind of in a holding pattern waiting to see right now what's gonna happen with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and you know, Taylor finally spoke on the record last night and he he said that he he, he enjoyed the visit a lot to Alabama and that he enjoyed, you know, speaking with Bo Davis and Bo was basically just telling him how they would use him and what he, how he would fit in the defense and Nick Saban of course was able was trying to was selling him on the on the success of Alabama's junior college signees and then just about being able to better his life coming through Alabama's program and you know he basically said 
without saying it, I think it's either going to be Alabama or LSU, but I think Alabama was in really good shape. And he, he just said that he's just going to put it in the Lord's hands and that uh, he and that he expects to enroll early. And I think it's just, you know, his situation is just getting, you know, the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And I think most people still expect him, barring something miraculous, to end up at Alabama and playing the nose position and taking Brandon Ivory's place. To a certain degree, Jaron Reed can play all three positions. Uh, I had heard, you know, that Taylor could. I'm being told, you know, in the last few days that he would just be a nose at Alabama. I mean, we'll see. But, uh, again, Jaron Reed could in very – could. there's a good likelihood he could turn pro. So they need uh, Jonathan Taylor to come in there and make an impact. And uh, I, I think uh, he will be at Alabama barring something unforeseen. John Garcia gave these odds today on uh... – Getting CC Jefferson, he said Florida forty percent, Alabama thirty percent, and uh, maybe Ole Miss ten percent. Uh, oh wow! Okay, ten percent. So uh, it looks like Alabama's closing the gap because when they asked John this a week ago, he went forty <laughs> twenty. Oh okay. So uh, he feels like that Alabama's not the leader, but that they're really really nipping on Florida's heels. Okay, I mean that makes sense. It's and it's going to be tough. I mean. Uh, his his dad that was grew up is a Gator fan. He grew up a Gator fan. Uh, I don't know if it's been uh, decided yet if, if Brad Long is going to stay with the Gators. Uh, have not heard that for sure yet. Of course, Jeff Collins has been hired as the DC, and now they've hired a familiar offensive coordinator today, Kerry. Uh, one Doug Nussmeyer, who continues to get great jobs. Uh, you know he you know he he had a good two year run at Alabama. Then went to Michigan, you know, Brady Hope, that didn't go well, but now he's working for Jim McElwain, so got to be happy for Nuss, and so uh, that's a good landing spot for him. Uh, did hear today, you know, there's a lot, a lot of speculation about D.J. Durkin, the interim coach at Florida. Heard today that if Jim Harbaugh takes the Michigan job, I've never thought he would, but I'm starting to lean toward that he might, carry with all this speculation. But I think it's heading that way, Drew. Hearing, I'm Very hearing close. that, that D.J. Durkin will probably be his defensive coordinator at Michigan. And then, you know, Mike Bobo, uh, offensive coordinator of Georgia, right. has been hired to replace Jim McElwain at Colorado State. That's very interesting. And then today a rumor broke that, and I, and I know it's just a rumor, but you've got a friend of a friend, so I'm going to ask you, what do you make of the alleged $1.8 million trying to lure Jeremy Pruitt to A&M? Late, late last night, a very good source that knows that knows uh, a lot of people in Georgia and uh and was a and was a roommate to one Kirby Smart at the University of Georgia, uh, and, and would know the ins and outs of the UGA program. Said as of that time, that he did not think that they were in that they were in talks at A and M with Jeremy Pruitt, and that Pruitt would leave barring something crazy. Uh, you know they, they, that rumor was out there about the 1.8 million, but at that time, late last night, about one o'clock in the morning, there was they, he did not think it would happen. Now, it looks like Will Friend may very well go with Mike Bobo. Uh, the speculation there has him being the offensive coordinator at Colorado State. So uh, so the, if that happens, then Georgia's losing their offensive line coach as well. So that would There's be a lot of wheels turning right now. In the yeah, they really is. It's really fun to follow it. Uh, it really is. It's, uh, it's really things I like about football. This, this is a fun time of year. And no disrespect to Jeremy Pruitt, who's done a fine job, Kerry, but if they were going to pay him $1.8 million, they're overpaying. I mean, he's won the national championship at Alabama. He's won a championship at Florida State. And he's, he laid the foundation at Georgia, but he was up and down at Georgia this year. To me, he would be making more money than Will Muschamp, and that's, to me that's just ridiculous. 
Well, let me chime in on the Florida State thing. Yes. I think I could have coordinated that defense <laughs> yeah. with the number very, very of extraordinarily point. skilled players right. that were upperclassmen. Give me a LaMarcus Joyner, and I'll give you a number one defense all day, every day. Just right. my opinion. Well, so that's a strong opinion. And I'll say this. They didn't have Duke Williams. I admit that, and that's a big part of their offense. But i tell you what, Jeremy shut Auburn down this year like I've never seen them with yeah. LaMarcus. He did a very good job. So I got to give him credit on that. Did he consistently do it every? No, he did not. There were there were, there were some games they. I mean Georgia Tech, you know, ripped him a Florida. new one. Uh, Florida ripped him a new one. Uh, but I tell you what, when 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 push came to shove, and their little friendly rivalry with our friends from Lee County, and yes, Duke didn't play, and frankly, Duke may have played his last game at Auburn for what I'm hearing. But we'll we'll, we'll take that up another time. He's not even bowl practicing right now. It's come up with some injury that screams. Uh, I'm going to the draft, <laughs> my opinion. But anyway, a uh, lot, lot going on in college football, and uh, we will have a show on New Year's Eve, uh, and it may be from Mother's Restaurant, it may be from somewhere else, but uh, we look forward to seeing all our friends in the land of BAMS Radio and the world of Alabama athletics uh, down in New Orleans. And uh, if you can't make it, at least tune in next week because we will have a show. We'll have a Another breakdown of Ohio State, this time by Murph Baldwin of Saturday Down South. And uh, we may end up with another guest or two. If it, it, it'll be worth it to me and Thomas if we can just get Bird to sit in with us. That would, that would really make the New Year's Eve show. But uh, anyhow, uh, I guess we can go ahead and cue the music and get ready to uh, take this thing out of here. I just wanted to touch a little bit on recruiting and the coaching carousel. And uh, we have now done that. And, uh, Drew, recruiting-wise, anything you want to add before we close it? Not too much. You know, all I will say I did write an article last night with all this movement around at Georgia. Yeah, I just do think it's worth watching Terry Godwin. I mean, I got a message last night that there were some people unsure now and that Auburn would also be under heavy consideration due to proximity of home. With his sister at UGA, it's still going to be a tough pull to get him away from Georgia. But the one good part, he's already been on his official visit to Southern Cal and Georgia on the 12th. He visits Alabama last amongst his top three because he's going to be at Auburn the 16th of January and will be at Alabama January 23rd. And don't be surprised if Alabama pulls out the red carpet treatment with Blake Barnett and everybody when Terry Godwin's on campus. Could happen, but if it doesn't, hashtag free Keith Nixon. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, you, you, you have now listened to another edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Join us next week as we'll be live from uh, New Orleans on uh, Playoff Eve and New Year's Eve. Uh, for Thomas Watson, Judy Almond of AlabamaNFL.com, I'm Terry Clark with AlabamaMag.com. Merry Christmas and roll tide, everybody. Merry Christmas and roll tide.